This podcast is part of the Everyday Heroes Podcast Network, the network for first responders and those who support them. Hey guys, welcome to the Hero Academy podcast, the place where you can celebrate and highlight our frontline heroes, people such as nurses, firemen, EMS, police officers, and military are all heroes without capes. I don't care about politics, only positivity and purpose. I only care about those that have chosen to serve our society. I believe in collaboration over competition. Here, you'll learn the secrets and strategies that let ordinary people become extraordinary inside of their purpose. Sometimes we'll throw in some simple side hustles that everyday regular people are doing, things that you could do to make some extra money, especially if you're starting to think about retirement and what's next. Inside this podcast each week, you'll learn from people like you that were working full time, but still found the time to create a course, grow a big team, create a coaching program, a large audience, or a profitable side hustle. The steps they took, their backstories, and how they overcame their burnout that they were facing. The perfect blend of mindset and techniques. Carpe diem. Now let's get your dream lit for your freedom. I'm your host and coach, Super Dave. Let's go. Hey guys, welcome to this week's episode of the Hero Academy. I have my friend Clive. Clive is the CEO of LogRx. I'm eating some chocolate here, so I'll be done with that in a minute. Don't mind me. <laughs> I had to sneak it in while I could, uh, and then we got to get the kids off to MMA. How are you doing today, sir? I'm doing good. Thanks for having me. No problem, man. I'm super, super excited. Are you uh, still working full-time as a fireman? I am not. No, I officially left the fire service uh, the spring of 2022 to run my software company full-time. How did you, like, when did you start that and how did you start it? The software company. Um, technically, I started it in 2016 and I did it because there was a need for it. I couldn't find any good solution out there to track narcotics. And as a fire chief, it's it's a huge burden to be able to manage all your inventory of these lethal drugs. And so um, I kind of started as a hobby just to see where it would go. But I was, I was full-time fire chief at the time. So I didn't have the, the bandwidth to, to work it in with my schedule. And then what it started state? taking off. So I kind of had to. What state are you in? I'm in California. So in California, the fire department and EMS are all one. Is that true? Sometimes. Like, sometimes. Why is the fire department tracking narcotics? Because they have paramedics. Okay. And so um, if you have paramedics, and you administer narcotics, you have to have a DEA license to do that. Okay. And so a lot of times the fire department will respond. First, we get there, we treat the patient, a private ambulance company might show up, and then they'll take over and, and manage patient care. Oh, okay. All right. I got a few good buddies that are paramedics. Um, so they really are first responders. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And um the rest of the country, you get a lot more outside of California, you get a lot more volunteer departments. Yes. Where they're actually second responders. <laughs> well, I, they're still, 
just as good as any other firefighter. You know, in fact, some ways they're volunteering, so it's even better. Um, but they don't necessarily have paramedics if they're a volunteer organization. And so um, the more you get into large municipalities, the more you get like a, a paramedic on a fire engine. Okay. Yeah. In my county, it's primarily volunteer. There's only a few paid departments. And um, I was always grateful anytime those guys showed up because I know that they were just getting out of bed or, you know, just decided to like, it's a passion for them. And I knew that they weren't getting paid. So it's like unbelievable that there's so many people willing to volunteer and they always have a shortage of volunteers too. Yeah. Yeah. There's always a need. I was a firefighter near San Francisco in a really big department, uh, Contra Costa County. And then I went to be a fire chief in a small, what they call a combination department, which is basically uh, volunteers and paid career firefighters. And so I had a new appreciation for volunteers. Uh, was there any any animosity between the guys who were uh, getting paid and the guys that were volunteering? None, none no. at all um, in, in that department. Uh, a lot of it had to do with because a lot of them grew up together in that community. A lot of them started as volunteers within that same fire department. And so like if, if you walked in and you were interacting or hung out, did a ride along for the day, you wouldn't be able to tell the difference with a volunteer versus a paid guy. It was great. Okay. That's pretty cool. Um, the company, so you started in 2016 and now you stepped away to do it full time and you're crushing it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it, I started with a buddy, we got some developers, we've been working on it. And then about two years ago, when I was a fire chief at South Lake Tahoe, um, deal with the pandemic, dealing with massive wildfires. I evacuated the entire city at one point, um, snowstorms, the same time LogRx was taken off. We were getting the state of California fish and wildlife wanted to use our program. The city of Portland wanted to use our program. And so we realized we had these huge organizations that are entrusting us to track their lethal drugs. We have to take this serious. And so I realized I had to pick between being a fire chief and running the, the company I'd started um, and it, honestly, it was the easy choice at that point because I, I love being an entrepreneur. Man, that's um, really, that's really cool. Um, tell me about your career as, as in the fire department. I'm sorry, one more time. Tell me about your career in the fire department. What was your, like your most favorite role? Was it being chief or was it when you were like actually in the field? It's a great question just because each position changed so much. Um, and it really was probably an age thing when I was younger, I liked being, low guy in the totem pole, just give me the nozzle, let me off my leash and, and go kick down doors and put fires out. Um, and the, the firehouse that I was in, in uh, Contra Costa County was really busy. It's the busiest in the county. We'd get house fires pretty frequently. It wouldn't be uncommon to get, you know, 20 calls a shift. So you're getting beat up. But even after doing that for 10 years or so at that station, it sort of felt like Groundhog Day. And that sounds strange when you're going to, you know, house fires and, and that becomes monotonous. But I felt like, hey, you only live once. What else can I do? And so as I became a chief, I started getting, you get, you have gratification from, like as a training chief, I completely redesigned how our academies were, were orchestrated and how we ran them, how the recruits were, had expectations of them which now they had a better understanding. And so being able to redesign that with my team 
Um, I did that in 2012, 2013. Contra Costa Fire still uses the academy I designed. And so things like that became more gratifying, which are more of long-term projects versus going into a house and pulling somebody out, which is instant gratification, you know? So, right. so it's hard to say which one was my favorite. I definitely had more fun when I was in the firehouse with the guys than being a fire chief. That part is kind of political and not so much fun, but um, the accomplishments on both ends was, was a blast. Now in the fire department, they do, when you're just hanging around a firehouse, does everybody, it's not like paramilitary. They don't jump up at attention, but do they kind of fear you a little bit as the chief? Um, not at Contra Costa because I grew up there essentially, you know, I, I started there at 18 as a reserve firefighter working at the apparatus shop with the mechanics. And so by the time I was a battalion chief and then a training chief, like these guys, I'd, I'd been to their weddings, you know, we'd go out partying together, we ride dirt bikes together. So, you know, they call me by my first name. Um, by the time I got to South Lake Tahoe, uh, I, my wife says I have like a resting bitch face. Like I, if, if I'm not smiling, she says I look angry. And so even the two years I was at South Lake Tahoe, there were some people that would tell the other chiefs like, Hey, chief Savicle, he's not, he's not very approachable. And like, try talking to him. He's pretty easy going. Right. Right. My, uh, are you, you ever been to New York city? I have. Yeah. My boroughs. So my neighbor across the street, he was a bureau chief. So okay. he's like, pretty big time i'm not sure which bureau i can't i can never remember i think it was queens maybe maybe manhattan i don't remember but it was a pretty large bureau that he was in charge of and i know that he had a driver who would come and pick him up so he was like almost considered like a mayor basically <laughs> you know like he was and i think people probably feared him you know he he had a lot of pull but he was a super, super nice guy. I, I just knew him as my neighbor. Yeah. But, but people would be like, oh, you live next to John? You know, <laughs> you know they, they put him up on such a such a high pedestal. Yeah. Yeah. So it's it's funny. When I was kind of bottom of the totem pole and a battalion chief would come by the firehouse, you, you'd kind of have like, oh, I make sure my uniforms all clean and I'm working and and so you have that but then by the time you're up actually up at that rank you're just you're still the same person you're just more experienced and and kind of casual which is, a funny example is during the um there's a big fire in 2021 in Tahoe and you know the guys at South Lake Tahoe where I was the fire chief they they would complain or not complain but they would say that I wasn't you know very approachable guy and so I remember I did a a news interview that was broadcasted, you know, nationally. And, you know, it's nowhere near San Francisco where my old department was at. Well, the guys back in my old department are like texting pictures of them flipping off me on the TV, you know, just, just <laughs> joking around me. And so that's kind of a good example of how the guys I grew up with, they, they have no problem flipping me the bird and sending me the picture, you know, in, in fun. Whereas the guys were actually work as the fire chief, they like nervous to come to my office. So it, it's, it's kind of funny dynamics. It's the title too, because you don't, you don't want to just walk into the chief's office. You know, um, I have a lot of, I, I've been on my, my agency for so long that I know most of them. I've worked with them. So like for me, it's not so much that they're, uh, 
you know, a chief of department or, you know, chief of detectives. It's like, I, I remember when they were a lieutenant, you know, or I remember when they were a sergeant and they're just a normal human to me. But like, I see how like the, the, the rookies look at them and they definitely stand up straight and they get the back, you know, they get a little shaky around them. And it's like, they're just a regular person. <laughs> they're, they're human. Yeah. As long as you're doing your job, you know, like you have nothing to worry about. Yeah, it's it's kind of those things where as a in a leadership position, it's always good to get engaged. Like we would have annual physicals at the fire department. And during those annual physicals, there was like a test where they would have the firefighters do push-ups, sit-ups, pull-ups, all that that fun stuff. And so I would make sure to do that too, even though I was the fire chief. It's like, no, no, I'm I'm gonna meet the same standards you guys are. In fact, I'm gonna do my best to do more push-ups than you do. Um, and so I think that scores you points anytime you're in kind of a leadership position. So you're not just do as I say, not as I do sort of mentality. What does a typical day in the life of a CEO look like now? Like what, what, what are you doing every day? What's your main priority? Is it marketing your company or is it something else? Um, fortunately, we've gotten big enough to where I don't have to wear as many hats as I did a year and a half ago when I went full time. So now we have a marketing director that I work with probably the most just because um, that's such a big part of what we're doing. Uh, we now have a sales director, so I can basically just hand off everything to him. He's he's taking care of all the accounts. Um, and then he's hiring. We're bringing on another sales rep tomorrow to work with him. We have someone else that does our design work. We have someone else that does our our marketing online, our website, we, had, we have a development team. And so now my focus is kind of like working with the marketing director to make sure that we're getting our brand out there, uh, doing our financials to make sure that we, you know, go stay in the black, you know, right. number one dual, rule of a CEO is to, to not run your company out of money. Right. right. Um, and so it, it's nice now that we've been growing so much that I, I'm able to narrow my focus and really have other people to kind of take on those other roles, which honestly is a great thing about being an entrepreneur and starting your own business is you get to plant your own garden. You know, you get to surround yourself with the people you want who are just rock stars um, versus being like a fire chief, especially coming from the outside in the South Lake Tahoe. You get who you get. You get who you get. And the people that were problem children before you got there, guess what? They're still problem children. And they're yours now. <laughs> and they're yours. And if you go into an organization where there was not good accountability, and now all of a sudden you have high accountability, you're up for a fight. And, and so being an entrepreneur has some huge advantages and that you can surround yourself with amazing people. Were you always kind of entrepreneurial or was it like something you got the bug? Uh, like... I know that firemen across the country have the greatest schedules in the world. <laughs> yeah. So a large percentage of them are entrepreneurial or they have a side, um, you know, side hustle, side gig. And a lot of them have a side business. Were you always like that? Or at some point, did you look around and say, I got to do something else? Um, I think I was entrepreneurial before I knew it. Because I remember specifically one day when I was a captain at my dream firehouse, really busy, great crew. 
And I just remember sitting on the bumper of the fire engine while it's in the apparatus bay, looking out on the street, thinking, am I just going to keep doing this till I'm old and gray? And then I retire with a bad back and heart issues, you know, there's more out there in the world. And, and so, which sounds like looking a gift horse in the mouth, you know, like I have the greatest job in the world, greatest station in the world. Um, and so it wasn't until I became a battalion chief and one of the firefighters that worked for me directly, uh, back when I was a captain, he started a company for, it's called tablet command. And so with that program, they would manage resources on an iPad on a fire. And so he asked with his co-founder in the company, they said, Hey, would you come represent us at a conference and just kind of speak? Cause you're a battalion chief, you got experience. Can you just rep- come represent us? And so, um, he flew me down to San Diego. I went to this big conference. I spoke for him and they actually had another big company come to him and offer to acquire him. And, and so just that three or four day experience, like, wow, I, I could see myself doing this. Um, and so I think that's, when I got the bug. And so I, I started another software company in 2014 that ended up getting acquired in 2018. Um, that one was for, it was an exposure program for fires, like a health and safety program. But I, I think it was when I did that little trip down to San Diego representing them that it really made my brain think, okay, I, th- there's more to the world. And I could see doing this. That's awesome. I love that. There's uh, so many lessons in there, but I think it, the inspiration of seeing someone else close to you do it. Oh, by the way, I definitely want you to link me up with that guy because I'd love to interview him as well. So um, when I hit pause, uh, please, I'm going to drop my cell number in the uh, comments there and then uh, we'll stay in touch. But if you could have a uh, Netflix cameraman follow you around um, and you could design your own show, what would your show be about? The life of a CEO, or would it be about something else? Uh, the life of a successful ADHD person. I don't know. <laughs> I, my, like I am all over the place. I, I do the software stuff, but then I'm, like it's hard for me to sit down for any period of time. So I'll work on things set for a period of time. I'll get up, I'll take the dog for a walk. Um, I'll go back to my desk. I'll go to the gym. I'll come back. I'll go to the garage. I'll work on my motorcycle. And the whole time I'm down in the garage, I'll have a notepad. So I'll be jotting down notes. And so I'll go back to my desk. So I think if I had a cameraman, they would need some athletic shoes and be in good shape to carry the camera around because I'm I'm kind of all over the place. But that being said, I've been able to focus it. Like I have a, st- a timer by my desk that, that's preset to 20 minutes. So I'll hit start just to knock out whatever project it is without interruption for 20 minutes. Um Time blocking. That's that's a huge CEO trick that uh, I'm glad that you mentioned because that that's part of your success, I imagine. It is. And I, my wife helped me with that because years ago as a fire chief, um, I was just complaining one day about how how much I would struggle working on a project with all the interruptions. Right. All the people calling, all the emails, all the people just walking into my office. And so she told me like, close your emails, just close the folders, just close your office door and just work on that one project. And, um, you'll, you'll get more done. And, and so I think I learned it from her years ago, just, you know, focus on one thing at a time. And so I found that timer because if you have a timer right there in your face, counting down, like I work much better under pressure. And so 
if I've got that 20 minute deadline, like I am going to knock out whatever it is I'm working on. Clive, have you ever heard of the Pomodoro app? I, that's the one I use. It's a Pomodoro timer. No. So you set it for, you can set it for any amount of time, but I set it for 25 minutes and then I do a five minute break. So then I, I go upstairs, I get water, go to the bathroom, then I go back down and do another 25 minute session. So that's how, the, and then you get another five minute break. And that's, that's the hour. Yeah. That's, that's music to my ears. That's, that's how I work best. Yeah. So there's an app, it's called a Pomodoro timer and it looks kind of like a pomegranate. And, uh, that's, that's the one that I use. So are you, uh, doing any other projects on the side other than running this, this very successful company, uh, you, uh, writing any books or getting speaking engagements coming up? I'm working on a book on uh I knew it. <laughs> yep and not just on leadership in the fire service but i want to make it general okay so that anybody in any industry could grab it take a look at it and so as i'm writing it i'm not writing it specifically to firefighters or fire chiefs just because a lot of things i've learned have really helped me with being a fire chief and then vice versa being a ceo had really helped me as a fire chief to run it like a business not just as a bureaucratic uh, department head in the government you know I have uh, one last long question for you. In your, how many years was it in the fire department? 25. In your 25 years, what's the wildest call you can remember going to? Craziest, funniest, wildest call you remember going to? I'll give you a minute to think about that. The story that you tell from the stage or that you tell friends and family. And then I'll just hit you with my last five quick questions but go ahead and think yeah. about that uh god that's such a tough one um or your fondest memory uh you know what the one of the best memories was evacuating the entire city of south lake tahoe and the neighboring communities in 2021 um it was stressful at the time and I'm sure I got some gray hairs out of it, but it was just such an insane experience to basically like you, like sometimes I still feel like I'm, I'm still a dumb 18 year old that likes racing motorcycles. And so I was like, okay, I'm working with the city manager and the police chief, and we're about to tell 30,000 people to evacuate. And it's like, okay, we're, we're pulling that trigger. How long did that evacuation take? Four and a half hours. So we actually did a lot of preparation. It actually went very smooth. And ironically, six months prior, the city manager came to me and said, hey, can you put together a new evacuation plan for the city? Because the one we've got is terrible. And so the evacuation plan I came up with, with the help from others, I took to the city council on August 3rd. And when I was designing it, I was thinking, okay, this city is never actually evacuated. Nobody's ever evacuated Lake Tahoe before. So what I'm building is just going to be a nice little feel-good placeholder that people will be able to reference, but no one's ever actually going to use this. And so it got approved by the city council August 3rd, and on August 30th, we used it. A month it was, later. Yeah, it was, it's, it was insane that it was actually utilized, and it went well, and probably went well because I collaborated with so many other parties to design it that when we actually pulled the trigger, we were all on the same page. Um, and, and so it, it was quite an experience. Uh, 
the people that have 25 years in and they don't know what else they're going to do, how do you suggest they avoid burning out? Having a plan before you retire. And so I have a, a really, really good friend, which I'm actually probably going to start a consulting firm with We're right now in the process of trying to come up with a name, but uh, he struggles. He's older than me um, by 10 years and he pulling that plug. Like he's been a fire chief over half his career, probably 20. The identity, years. the identity is so ingrained that it's hard to imagine what you're going to be after the fact. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I look back at Contra Costa where I designed, I designed their academy um, with my, with my crew and training and over half the department there has no idea who I am right now. You know, out of, out of the hundreds of employees there, if you mentioned my name, like, who's that? I was like, you went through my academy, but fortunately I, I don't use that as my identity to where I struggle, but a, a lot of guys, because I had something else to go to. I really enjoy being a CEO. I love going and working at a desk across my wife every day. And so if you don't have something like that, you just walk through the grocery store as a civilian and you see this crew of firefighters come in to get their dinner and you see them grab a tri-tip and you're like, they're going to go barbecue that tri-tip. They're going to hang out at the table. They're going to laugh and joke. They're going to watch some dumb movie laughing all night. They're going to go to bed. They're going to house fire at 1 a.m. They're going to wake up in the morning, just beat to death sleep deprived, go grab coffee together and have the best time. And now I'm old, broken, walking around like everybody else. And I just feel like I have this void in my soul now. And so if you don't have something to fill that with, it's a, it's a struggle. So happy. So my advice is get something you're passionate about and have that ready to go day one of retirement. That's really good. Um, my last five rapid fire, because then I got to go and I know you got to go and I appreciate and respect your time so much. What's your definition of a hero? Because the show is called the Hero Academy. But I know that police, fire, nurses, they don't like to be called heroes. But that is what society calls us. So what is your definition of a hero? A selfless act that benefits others where you don't get any credit. And so I think too many people feel like they need credit for their actions. They need that gratification of, hey, look what I did. Everyone look at me. Like every time I got praised as a fire chief, I deflected and said, oh, that was Captain so-and-so. She's the one that set up these vaccine clinics. And so I would always divert credit to my, my staff because I felt like to be a hero, it really needs to be a selfless act. I love it. Now, being a CEO, the stresses are different than the prior job, prior career. When you're starting to feel stressed now, because I know it's not without any problems whatsoever. <laughs> There's a new fire every day, I'm sure. Uh, no pun intended. But when you're starting to feel stressed, how do you save yourself? How do you um, show yourself love? Um, because I work from home and my wife has a business, she works from home. I can just look over my monitor and ask her, Hey, you want to go for a walk with the dog? And if I have an issue with the company, a question, I'll look over and say, Hey, here's what's going on. What do you think? And like, honestly, if, if I got hit by a bus today, she could step in as CEO because she is so good at troubleshooting. And she knows from working with me every day that I have that counterpart 
that I can look to as a resource. And I know she's going to have good advice and empathize with, with, with whatever I'm, I'm dealing with, which I didn't have as a fire chief. When you're a fire chief, it is very lonely at the top. You, you want to have a number two that you can go to and have that relationship. But for example, my month number two at Tahoe, I, I had a big issue personnel issue with at one point, they're no longer my number two. I can no longer trust them. And so I, it was, it's very, very lonely at the top. And I tried to hire a new number two and the firefighters didn't like that because they just wanted a raise from that money. And so, um, there's different dynamics as a fire chief. It's very political versus yeah. now as a CEO, I've got that person that, that is my stronghold. I can always fall back on. Yes. Now you had mentioned consulting. Um, I, I call it coaching, consulting, starting another, uh, company so that you can train people how to make that transition how far out do you do you foresee that like you starting something like that because it's it's sorely needed um our goal is to have it by the end of q1 launched of next of 2024 so by the spring of 2024 we want to have our our new consulting firm launched and we're already reaching out to conferences starting in california to do speaking engagements um and just to get that out there on, on not just one issue in the fire service, like a big thing in California is consolidations, getting departments that are struggling on their own to consolidate with their neighbors and be more efficient. Um, and so we're looking at different aspects of that because between the two of us, we've got, you know, 60, 70 years of experience in the fire service in leadership roles. And so uh, that's your, kind of uh, your partner. I, I'd like to meet him also. Uh, so if you could make that happen, I I'd definitely like to meet him too. Um, what, what's your greatest strength, your greatest ability today? Um, something that's carried me my whole career is persistence. Like I, I've always told my staff, I'm not the smartest guy in the room, but I'm the last guy to give up. You, you know? seem like the smartest guy in the room right now. <laughs> well, maybe I'm also humble, but there's times where I'm around people are like, oh man, I'm, I'm going to listen because I'm going to learn something from this guy or girl. Like there's people out there that I, I meet and I'm like, this, this person's got something to, to share. And I'm going to listen. Um, but I just learned like, just never give up because you can go into a meeting where other people are going to be competing for something that you want. And it gets to the point where I'd go to meetings like, oh, chief Savicle's here. I'm not going to, I know he's not going to stop. So let's, I'm not going to put up a fight. I'll just go along because I know he's going to be persistent. Um, and not, not like being like a nagging persistent, but just if, if I've got a good argument and I'm doing the right thing, I'm going to stand up for it. My last question for you, chief, if you had a comic book superpower, cause you're always a chief, right? Forever. Like you don't lose that. Even yeah, though you still get, that. You still get you, you're forever a chief, but if you had a comic book superpower, what would it be and why? Oh, that's a good one. I think that invincibility where you have the characters that can get shot and not get hurt or they yeah. can survive it just because the older you get, I'm realizing how many aches and pains I've got from being a firefighter, crashing motorcycles. And so I, I think that one, because then that, would allow me, I guess, to keep going and keep pushing forward. Man, what, what would you do with that one? Oh, so I love answering this question because uh, if you know the X-Men, Professor X, 
he was like really strong telepathically. And I would love to be able, I, I want all of the mental power. So I want to be able to lift things with my hand. I want to be able to uh, set things on fire with my mind. I want to also be able to tap into other people's minds for good to calm them down. You know, like you have an emotionally disturbed person and I could just tap into their mind with my mind and say, it's okay, brother, calm down. It's okay. Or don't jump, you know, don't jump off that bridge. You're going to be okay. There's people that still love you. And, um, and just be able to like lift myself up with my mind. I want all of the powers of the mind. Like if you yeah. could activate every single one of those, that's what I want. That's great. And I think that's actually somewhat humanly achievable. Cause I look back at some of the people I've worked with where you're going through stress and just them coming up, asking you how you're doing, just their tone, who they are. It just like your blood pressure just immediately drops like 20 points. You're like, so it's I think that's an achievable one. It's important to have those people, um, you know, and then I figure if I could lift things with my mind, there's no reason why I can't lift myself and make myself be able to fly. So I, I, I think that just naturally comes with telekinesis. Yeah. Yeah. It makes <laughs> Clive, sense. It's been, it's been so much fun. And uh, when you do create your consulting company, I have you come back on again and we'll talk about that. All right. Yeah, that'd be great. Thank you so much. I, I appreciate you and um, keep up the good work, man. It's, it's good stuff. Oh, Thank if you. people want to find you, how should they reach out? Um, so our website is logrx.com, L-O-G-R-X.com. I'm also on LinkedIn. Um, I have Facebook, but I don't use it. Uh, so LinkedIn and our website's the best route. Clive Savakul sounds like a Hollywood name. It, it doesn't sound real. <laughs> I've been asked multiple times if I made it up. That is a cool name. It's S-A-V-A cool. That's yeah. a cool name. <laughs> <laughs> thanks yeah I, ra I still race motorcycles and it's on the back of my leathers savakul like what does that mean it's like it's my name <laughs> it definitely sounds like a hollywood name thank you so much and uh we'll, we'll talk again soon all right all right family i hope you enjoyed this episode everyone i interview i've chosen for you guys because of this story and I hope that you get some value every single time. If you did get value or just, just simply enjoyed the episode, please share the episode with someone that you know. If you know of a guest, a frontline hero that has an amazing story, something uplifting or a positive message, hit me up in the contact form of www.davidleith.com or DM me at Instagram at davidleith1. Subscribe to the show because I have some really phenomenal guests coming up in the next few weeks that you definitely don't want to miss. All right, one.